G.B. Wadzik served as an elder of this congregation for many years, as well as leaving his mark on this whole community as a progressive and innovative superintendent of schools. Bruce graduated from Central High, was an important member of the last state championship football team that Central has produced. He earned both his bachelor's and master's degrees from Abilene Christian and has served churches and ministry in the Austin area and the Denver, Colorado area, and now for more than 25 years in Princeton, New Jersey. And that's a ministry that once again has intersected this church family, and we're going to let Bruce explain that in a moment. Uh, Bruce is here with his wife, Becky, who is the daughter of Reuben Stanley, and many of you have fond memories of Reuben and all that he did for the kingdom of God in this country, as well as his daughter, Kim, is here, and a whole entourage of friends, so welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, Bruce is an outstanding minister, one that I have looked up to in more than one way, Bruce. Uh, you stand next to Bruce, you look up, but uh, you get to know him and you look up in many ways. Bruce. Well, it's good to be back home. Uh, even though I haven't lived here in 40 years and have uh, been in Princeton, New Jersey 25 years, uh, I've never really felt home uh, any place but San Angelo. So it's good to be back home. This congregation was where I grew up. It was where I was baptized into Christ uh, by Stanley Lockhart and uh, grew up under Stanley's wonderful preaching. Many others of you that are still here that are, were my teachers as I grew up. I met my wife of over 40 years as a part of the youth group uh, of this congregation. And then, about 26 years ago, we reconnected again in an unusual way. I was preaching in Denver, Colorado at the time, and had Becky and I both had gone to do a seminar in Princeton, New Jersey, a very important place because that's where Princeton University is. There are lots of graduate and undergraduate students there. Uh, Princeton Theological Seminary is there. Many of uh, students from our fellowship go there in preparation to become professors at some of our good colleges and universities. And yet the congregation there was quite small and struggling. And I and my family felt a, a call to go there. But they didn't have enough financial resources to support us, so I came to this congregation, talked to the mission committee, and uh, they were gracious enough and kind enough uh, to support us. We asked for uh, support for three or four years till we could get the congregation up where it could support the work there. And so we reconnected. And now, 25 years later, I'm here to tell you that the Princeton Church of Christ is a vital, thriving congregation. Uh, it is one that has baptized hundreds of people into Christ over that period of time. Uh, Two-thirds of our members there were converts uh, during that period of time. Uh, it's uh, gone from a very Anglo 
American congregation to one now where 35% of our members are African American, a little over 25% are Hispanic Americans, and that makes our Anglos a minority. Uh, but again, that reflects the, uh, the character and the nature of the community that surrounds us. And we've thrived well enough that we, I now have an associate minister who's a dynamic young African-American man and his family. So the Princeton Church has done well. It's a beacon for love and truth in the Northeast, but it couldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for your generous support and encouragement. Today I'd like to, to ask what perhaps are some of the most fundamental questions, and they can be answered in more than one way, but I want to focus on one that I wasn't as familiar with, but in my own study of the Word of God have I've come to a strong conviction that define the question of who we as human beings were meant to be. And secondly, what we were meant to be doing. And so it's always best to begin at the beginning. And so I will begin in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. This is what I call the original Great Commission. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The thing I don't think we've thought enough about is this challenge to be rulers. This is a term of royalty. Now, in the ancient Middle East in which these scriptures were written, several thousand years ago, there were royalty. They were the top upper crust, less than 1% of the population that ran the program for everyone else. But God's vision was not that we would have kings or royalty rule over us, but that every true image bearer of God would be royalty that every woman would be a princess of God, and that every man would be a prince of the Lord. Rulers, not over one another, but over the creatures and the creation. And so he gives, as I say, the first 
great commission to these image bearers as he places them in the Garden of Eden, the Holy of Holies, if you will, of that time where they were able to walk with God in the cool of the day, such intimacy before their fall. And here was the great commission. They were to be fruitful and increase and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? True image bearers of God. And then thirdly, they were to subdue it. This is a militaristic term. And so God, from the very beginning, realized that there was hostile territory outside the garden and that there was going to be opposition, that there were satanic forces at work in nature and were just outside the garden, but they could be, by the power of God, subdued by true image bearers of God. Now we know how the story went. We fell from nobility quite quickly. There was the great rebellion in the garden. And so God expelled the original image bearers of God. And as we went out from the garden thinking that we knew it best and we knew better than God, we began to experience the consequences of that in the loss of our humanity and the increase of violence to the point that God had to come down and destroy all the people except Noah and his family. And after sparing Noah and his family, they increase and instead of fill the earth, they try to hang in one place together, Babylon. And they tried to build their own idolatrous temple into the sky. And so God cursed them, divided them, and another one of God's attempts to try to fulfill his vision for us failed because of us. But then he called a man Abraham and gave him a vision. And finally, when God acts to take the people of that promise, the people of Israel, take them out of Egyptian slavery and take them to a land of promise to fulfill some of his promises to Abraham just before they receive the Ten Commandments, here's what the Scripture records. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 and following. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I brought you on eagle's wings to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priest and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And so here, a renewal of the vision, a kingdom. They were to be a royal priesthood, not just some priests among them, 
But every man and woman was to be a priest of God, not just any kind of priest, but a royal priest. Now we know that the covenant community of Israel failed to live up to God's vision for them. And finally, when they lived and practiced for many hundred years, uh, just like their neighbors who were idolaters, then God, in his justice, punished them. They were exiled and then a remnant brought back. But God did not give up on his original intention, but he had to come to fulfill it himself. He sent Jesus to be the royal priest, to live a life that was a true image of God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That's what he wanted us to be to begin with. And that's what he's seeking to restore us to. And here we have the archetype, the example, and the model in Jesus who is an exact likeness or image of God's very being. After Jesus provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. And so the rule of God finally was in place. Jesus was on the throne. And now all people from all backgrounds were called back to their original purpose, back to being royal priest of God. Now, because of this purification, we're no longer left to our own devices, but now God was calling us back. And so Peter, who was one of Jesus's closest disciples, writes in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 how this was fulfilled in the Christ community of the first century and continues to be till today. 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare his praise, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so now we're back to what we were meant to be. And the mission that we're on, the original commission was to spread and create true image bearers of God and to fill the earth with them. And is not the great commission of Jesus, go make disciples of all nations, teaching to obey everything I've commanded you? Is that not a renewal of the original great commission? We're to go out and make true image bearers of God in our children and in others who will receive the invitation of God. Think about it. Royalty. Is that what we really thought God was calling us to? I think sometimes we think in terms of 
God wants to save us from our sins, and he, he obviously does, but he wants to save us from our sins for what purpose? And the answer, I think, is here. He wants to restore us to his original vision for us that we all can be a divine, royal priest of God. That's a high calling, the high calling we have in Christ Jesus. You know, I think we all have in us, in our conscience, a memory that we were meant to be something more than we tend to see ourselves. You see it in children. Have you noticed how most little girls like to dress up and play princess? And how little boys like to get their weapons and go to war as little princes? I think that's because the children know they are meant to be something wonderful, but they can't quite remember what that is. You see, my premise today is we've forgotten who we are. And if you don't realize that you are a true image bearer of God and that you are intended to be a divine royal priesthood, then you're not going to live up to your real potential. You're not going to be who you were meant to be. But we have to remember, of course, that you have to be prepared to rule. You have to go into training. We've seen how that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work, as we've seen the saga of the British royalty. Charles was the prince to be. Married Diana, the princess to become. But neither one of them really became the prince or princess that they should have been. And so I think Charles will never reign. Now it's fallen to another generation. Will this couple live up to the calling to be royalty? You see, that's what we're here. We first of all have to hear the call. We have to know what God has called us to become. And then that's what all the scriptures are about. They're telling us how to become what we were always meant to be in Christ. And with that in mind, I'd like to read a passage from Paul in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, alluding to chapter 2 when he referred to their baptism, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's not thinking about thinking otherworldly things, but it's remembering that even though it doesn't appear in the world that we live in today that Christ is Lord and King, It appears that there are lots of usurpers running the program all over the world. 
But there is really only one king. And so we need to be mindful of that. And we are his people. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Don't look at things the way the world wants you to. See it for what it really is in God. For you died, the old self, the old Bruce, the old you. And your life is now hidden with Christ and God. It's not apparent that you're royalty, is it? Externally, superficially. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When he comes again, all the pretenders will be eliminated. And only real royalty will remain. Now this is the work that's ahead for us to prepare ourselves to rule under the righteous king, Jesus. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed or restored in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. You see, I'm not what I need to be, but I'm in a process of being restored to what I need to be. For us to be a royal priesthood, we have to change. It can't just be the old self. You can't substitute being religious in the place of being right with God. But the good news of the gospel is that God is reawakening in us by the call of God that we were meant for more. That God had a wonderful vision from the beginning and that he has worked throughout the centuries to make that dream a reality. And now in Christ, we can begin to experience this great vision of God that you and I can be princes and princesses of God. So this morning as we have the invitation, I want to suggest to you that the invitation from the Bible can be worded a lot of different ways, but in the end, God is calling you higher to be what you were meant to be. I pray that you will accept his calling while we stand. And while we sing.